0: welcome back everybody to the fantasy golf bag podcast i'm your host drew matthews tonight is tuesday night of the british open week and i am joined by special guest mike brown h3 buddha better recognized in the mma and nfl streets but uh he's joining me tonight for the pga uh preview of the british open mike how's everything going man
1: hey not too bad i uh you know of all the majors i have to say i kind of like the british open there's just something about like you know, you got the Masters with tradition, right? The British Open seems a little bit more, I don't know, I, li- regal. I mean, royal, right? How would you describe it? I
0: would, I would describe it as the fourth major of the year after the Masters and the PGA and the U.S. Open. That's what I would describe it as. But regal is a totally fine adjective.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, def-
0: seen it. To be to, to be honest though, I think I think the Masters has more of the. Um, and now I'm going to blank on what the, the the term is, but I think the Masters actually has more tradition than the British Open.
1: Yeah. Because I, I think yeah. that's
0: what you're trying to get at. But, like, there's, there's more of, like, old – I mean, the British Open is the oldest major, obviously. I think it's the oldest tournament besides the British amateur. I think the amateur is actually older. But I would actually – I would argue that the Masters is probably more of a tradition – than the British Open, but the British Open, I in terms of like the courses that they rotate through, if if you're like a golf, not even a golf historian, but like you follow golf to a a certain degree, the courses that they play, these things were built in the 1700s and 1800s. Like it's ridiculous. They literally just put a pin in the hole, like they just dr- drilled out a hole somewhere, put a pin in there, and then they said tee off over here, and then tried to hit it in here. Yeah. Like there was no architecture. It was it, just natural.
1: Just from my basic knowledge of it, too, is it's Lynx core style and um, wind, wind players. Is that, you know, historically the types of things that you need to look at right away? I mean, from somebody who, you know, I I take this stuff serious, just like anybody else. I will look at the ownerships. That's really the big thing, right, is ownerships, I think, overall, but you know, knowing the guys who will not struggle, not just bombers. You know, there's there's these general things like, you know, Drew and I were talking about like when I got into, I would say, PGA, it was during that Danny Willett run, you know, and, and watching Mayo. It's just it's huge to kind of pick up on that value, too. I mean, Danny Willett was what, the hundred and fifty one. And I remember just
0: one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just sprinkling a little here on Bobata, a little here, five dollars here, <laughs> little investment. And man, it added up. I mean, it truly added up by the end of it. But like, you know, even knowing, hey, I got this guy on on Bulbata, I'm gonna throw him in some lineups too. Uh, it was a fun Sunday, I'll tell you that.
0: For sure. No, anybody. <clears throat> we were, I was joking with somebody else on Twitter today about that because it's like it, the U.S. Open would be the example where John Rahm won, and John Rahm obviously went in there with great form. He was the the Vegas favorite. And someone asked me, I was at a golf course, they are like, who do you think, who, who would be your pick to win? I'm like, honestly, it'd be John Rahm. I mean, it's not because he's the Vegas favorite, just, he, I mean, he's the Vegas favorite, he's everyone's favorite for these same reasons. They're like, well, I mean, that's already, he's already the favorite. I don't know what you want from me, man. People want the 150 to one. They want me to say Bo Hosser's going to win or Patrick Rogers, you know, Maverick McNeely. Those are the people, that's what people want to hear, but truth be told in these majors you're going to you're going to get lower guys so like a Danny Willett call is always legendary 150 to 1 major winner is legendary
1: and it's once in a lifetime type of hit too it I is, mean, outside yeah. of your own but like it's it is truly like you never have that opportunity again so like on something like this where i mean i think you have some you know value guys and um you know I, obviously i'm like a MMA sport so like i look at the odds i think it's really interesting and easy to differentiate in PGA, wouldn't you say? Because if there's one that just sticks out like a sore thumb, I mean, even though they might be 10 full points, you know, below, they're going to eat up all the ownership. It's yeah. like uh, not a lot of going to separate the two, you know, if they're both birdie makers.
0: Yeah, that's 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 part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show because like MMA is like your bread and butter. Obviously NFL, you've had a ton of success in, but with MMA, with no positional slots for 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 players versus golf is the same exact thing. The only difference is MMA. There's more of like matchups, right? Like you're you're picking an eighty-eight hundred dollar guy against a seventy-two hundred dollar guy, and the eighty-eight hundred dollar guys favored to win whether or not he's favored to win by knockout or submission versus by decision. And that's, that goes all into your decision-making golf is just kind of a little bit of Vegas odds with recent form stuff like that. So it's a little bit more nuanced and it's not so much cut and dry of, of like, th- you're going to play this guy. You're going to play this guy. Who do you think is going to win the matchup? But I think Vegas does play a large part into it. And I think that's what happened a couple of weeks ago with, and you, you probably didn't know about this, but Tane Lee was this like unknown at the, uh, at the Travelers or Palmetto and he was like he was like minus 210 in the matchup against uh Lucas Glover or Charlie Hoffman or something I was like man that sounds absurd and he finished like top 15 so like Vegas Vegas knows what they're doing there's there's no denying that so yeah. I think I think from your aspect looking at Vegas because of MA um golf kind of goes hand in hand it's just not so much like if you don't pick this guy you obviously pick or I should say if you pick this guy you're not playing this guy. It's not always the same case in golf. That's the only real difference.
1: I I think so. Ownership wise is that, you know, where the touts are saying people are going to follow. Like it's pretty obvious if two or three sites have, you know, this guy is going to be the one, this is your value play. I mean, that is the value play, but then you're going to have to be crafty you know i mean yeah. ca- cash is a different story i think you know when we're playing these big gpps we're looking for first we're not looking to to min cash i mean it's happy i think i'm i'm happy to min cash but long term
0: we need you're to not min- happy you're not happy because you're not uh, if you're playing one lineup in this and you min cash you're not happy you're playing 150 lineups and you min cash you're still not happy and because I, I, you I, got a million other lineups that didn't do shit.
1: Yeah, and we talk about, you know, strategy-wise for golf. I think something that's really interesting and something that I've observed, I've dug in a little bit on it, is people price at the same salary, Drew. People don't want to play them. It's like they get through their head psychologically. Yeah, that's true. Psychologically, it's easier for me to, you know, if I land on a range of, like, 7,700, like, I just want to have one of these guys. It's a weird mind thing, and it happens in MMA as well, so... I like to kind of differentiate inherently by just having two same price people because it changes, uh, you know, other direction. But um, yeah, I, I really look forward to it. Like it's fun to get the four days sweat. I mean, it's not like any other sport out there.
0: Yeah. I think golf golf sneaks up on you. I, I mean, obviously there's three million makers this week. Um, the FGWC qualifiers are still going on, which I need to qualify for. I haven't qualified yet, which is a real bummer. I think it's a live final actually this year, surprisingly enough. Um, but there are three millimeters is a $10, a hundred dollar and a 4,444 dollar. Um, obviously you just skip the 10 and hundred dollars and just jump straight into max and the $4,000 one, obviously that's, that's the right move, but, um, for everybody else, they're going to be entering the $10 and it's got 296,000 participants. So the ownership really does come into play. Um, I've talked about in the past, like there's good owner or good, there's good chalk and bad chalk, obviously probably in every sport, but in golf, the good chalk really comes in that 8, 9, 10k range. And then after that, there's really never good chalk. Um, there's a couple of guys which we'll talk about on this show that are super cheap. I don't think they'll necessarily be chalk because they're so cheap and not necessary. like they're not necessary for good lineup construction. Um, majors tend to have really soft pricing, so you can almost play anybody in the 8k range and and have a really good lineup, but uh, I, I think I think ownership is kind of overstated but underplayed for most people like they know ownership's is important they don't know how to apply it
1: exactly and that's the important thing is like um you kind of alluded to these top tier guys like they're, go- they're what are they like top tens are going to be like you know minus whatever it's going to be probably juiced yeah, yeah top 20s so like multiple of these guys should by the mathematics be in the top 10 like that's how it works so not a lot is going to separate and when you get down further you get down there's more just you know uh, not really that possible that you're going to get multiple guys in the top 10 so um that's what i like about it and i mean if you if you just look at the top range too it's like uh, i
0: it's think actually uh, it's actually real quick just to cut in it's actually it's such a deep field the only favorite to finish inside the top 10 is rom he's at minus 120 for a top 10 the next favorite is Jordan Spieth at plus 135, still very I mean even odds almost for a top 10 is pretty good, but I think the field is so deep that makes the the pricing softer obviously, but it does I think that's why these guys up top actually get lower ownership than a normal week because they're not just this stand away. Like John Rom 7 to 1 in this field is pretty crazy. Like he should be 7 to 1 in this field if he was playing you know the Arnold Palmer Invitational, just some normal PGA Tour event. This field is so strong; he he should be at least double digits. But I, I think the pricing kind of dictates where people go. They want to go balanced. They want to go eight and nines. And naturally, John Rahm, Speeth, Kapka, they will they'll be lower owned because of that.
1: Do people still have the speed thing in their back of their head? Oh, he stinks. Oh, he's good. I mean, that one might. No, be one I think of they actually
0: players. they they won eighty this this year um with his win and a couple like top 20s i mean honestly he had a couple top 10s in a row i think people just quickly went back to the bandwagon on jordan speed and i I honestly he's one of my better values this week he's 9700 for the week um has a great history in the british open great history in majors overall but he he this year he's been kind of back to the 2015 jordan speed
1: well, I mean that's impressive because that's quite the turnaround from yeah. you know my basic knowledge of the sport. It's like an MMA fighter going and <laughs> zero M- and four and still being in the UFC. You got a fifth fight and here you are, you know.
0: Um, yeah, and then you got a, a belt. Uh, you fighting for a belt? What in the sixth fight? Yeah, it's is, like, is that how it works? So nuts. yeah, after, it, it, yeah, he, he's gonna. He's obviously the second favorite per DraftKings sports book. He's at fourteen to one, but. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about how guys are shaping out. I I, I have the ownership up, um, preliminary ownership. John Rahm looks to be pretty popular along with Brooks Kepka. I don't think that's going to hold true. Um, and and it, it's an interesting th- thought process. And you probably see this a lot, even even outside of MMA, but like NASCAR, like other sports that aren't positional um, driven, where if people use optimizers, they fit they kind of run balanced anyways. And like the most expensive studs their point per dollar isn't strong enough for them to be in a lot of lineups if an optimizer is running it. And I see that a lot with people.
1: And one other thing too, is like, uh, I feel like people will go right to like a six K guy when there's an odds value or there's a tout site that's just touting them so much. So therefore what's going to separate people, you know, it's not a lot they are going to click that, then they're going to click the big favorite. Right. So, um, uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you, too, is what about this, like, it's it's over in the Euro scene, do European golfers garner a little bit more ownership? Is Should I be biased towards those guys because, you know, they're acclimated over there more so in the Euro tour?
0: They should be, but they, it doesn't look like they are. Like, the sites that I've looked at so far, Rory is just priced under ROM. He hasn't obviously been playing as well as ROM, but, I mean, he is... A third of the ownership of John Rahm. A third. So, like literally the leverage right there, you're you're cutting out 67% of the field who play Rahm versus McElroy right there. So I, I think I think there is an advantage to the European natives. So like a you know, Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, etc. Um, and guys that have just played well in the British Open over overall, like Dustin Johnson isn't obviously he's not a european but he's played well in the british open almost every single year that that speaks a lot to me
1: yeah no for sure i um i like from an average fan i saw rory's uh day 4 of the us open and i was like oh man he's going to win he's going to win in the beginning and yeah. then it's just like the collapse i mean so uh,
0: us open's tough though it it's really like a like, round by round, it doesn't take much. I mean, we saw Bryson, what did you shoot, 47 on the back nine? It doesn't take much to just completely implode in the U.S. Open. So, I wouldn't put too much weight into that. But to your point, I mean, I wouldn't weigh the Europeans higher, necessarily. Because, like, I, I've talked about this on the Fantasy Golf Bag podcast in the past. Like, Paul Casey is as an Americanized golfer as they come. Like, he played at UNLV um he hits it as high as anybody in the world like there there's no european-esque and even i think i had a european guy on this show he was from england um a couple years ago and he was like we don't really like paul casey anymore he he, he's kind of like distanced himself from the europe um people and i was like "Ah, that's not surprising i i mean he's he lives in america he's married to an american like so long story short I don't think the Europeans have too strong of a narrative. I think the guys up top are all good. Um, the the value plays is probably where I would maybe lean a little bit more European as we go down there.
1: Yeah, The no, top guys
0: are all just good. I mean, they're just good at golf. It doesn't matter where they're playing.
1: Then it really, I mean, you can play the best guys in the world. They're going to do well. So, like, I, I like, we, we talked off the podcast is, that middle range is really what's important when you're yeah. building lineups. It's really less about the top range for me. And, um,
0: I mean, so just... Yes. So, I think, I think for me, like, if... What I say to most people, and it depends on how many lineups you're playing, but, like, the top range every given week, 10K and up, you really can't say too much negatives about those players. Like, they're 10K for a reason, just like a 10K pitcher. Like, y- you're never going to... I, I can't imagine ever going into like an MLB slate or even like an MMA, like a 10 K fighter. I don't know if that's even a thing anymore, but like a 10 K tennis player or something like you can't say they're bad at 10 K. No, they're just, maybe there's other 10 K's that are better or maybe a nine K guy that's equal, but there's nothing bad about a 10 K guy. So I agree. I I think anybody over 10 K is in play in GPPs just depending on how many lineups you make, but like nine, like the low nines into the high sevens is, you can make you can make a lot of money this weekend, even the Millie Maker. like a guy finished second in the Millimaker two years ago, and I think his highest priced guy was ninety four hundred dollars. He filled out his whole salary, which you hate. He filled out fifty thousand dollars in salary, started at ninety four hundred. His lowest price guy was like seventy six or seventy seven hundred. It was like it, I mean, is as balanced as you can get.
1: It's about like picking off the ducks in the pond, really. It's really just like, I like the builds around that seventy five hundred, and we kind of talked about that philosophy of having the same priced people. It's it's to me that's a way to differentiate yourself psychologically away from the field, and then what it creates is not having to go all the way up to the top. You can settle it's, in that ninety three hundred, ninety five hundred range.
0: It's really weird, like the way you describe it though. Like if you if you go through the player pool, and let's just say Colin Morikawa at 9,200, Victor Hovland's 9,100, and Terrell Ty- Hatton in 9,000. They're all going to be pretty popular. Most people aren't going to play all three of them. They'll think, like, I'm going to pick one of the, my favorite out of those three and then see where else I can play. Like, I'll, I'll j- jump down to the high sevens or the mid sevens. But, yeah, like, play all three, and then you see what salary you have left. Play a $7,500 guy. Jump back up to the eights. Like, see what you have. But, yeah, to your point – even myself, like if I'm hand-building and I and I struggle with this with hand-building sometimes, um, there you, you kind of see a group of players and you want to pick one of them instead of saying, yeah, I, I think all of them can play good. Because obviously one's going to play better than the rest, but well, why they can could play be? better than all of the others.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing, too. And I feel like golf, out of any other sport for DFS, you find comfort in being uncomfortable when building lineups. Yeah. You have to be. And that is super important that people don't like to do. People get uncomfortable, and then they just they, they force things in their lineups, and the decision-making goes poor. So, you know, I stick to maybe a middle range. There's a value play. I'll go all the way down to the bottom and then jam yeah. some big guys. But that's typically how I build my lineups. And I will tell you from my average, you know, always playing you're always going to have certain names in majors, okay? And let me rattle some off for you that I, <laughs> I, I, as an average fan, an average DFS player, see all the time. And I guess I'll have to get your generic thoughts on them. Billy Horsell, you always hear his name in majors. Um, Charlie Hoffman, you always hear. You uh-huh. always hear Kokrak, I feel is like a big DFS-type you know, name now that we see all the time. Um, You know, Kisner, Kisner seems like a a case every single time. He's always super cheap. Um, I'm rattling off those names, you know, that are like 69 to 75. You know, these are the types of guys you hear every single major. And the algorithm continues every single time to price these types of guys down. Is there a reason why you see these types of names? Now, again, maybe these names have nothing to do with each other from a golf actual playing standpoint but these are the types of names that I see every single major heck Matthew Fitzpatrick probably fits that narrative too he's always cheap 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 and you know maybe get some hype and that's just the type of player that I always see
0: yeah I can I could get behind most of those guys uh Horschel's Horschel's just kind of up and down so it just depends but like Hoffman Hoffman won me a million bucks, man, so I I can't ever go against Hoffman. And honestly, I think uh, it may have been Hoffman or it was Henley, but there was, like, three guys in the Masters Millie Maker that each of the last six years, they were in the Millie Maker lineup. I think it was Henley. I think it was actually Henley, Spieth, and – Henley, Spieth. Yeah, I think it was Hoffman. Henley, Spieth, and Hoffman. Like, it was something ridiculous. And Hoffman, I always go back to. But yeah, I think Kisner's always a, a good option in majors because this, and what I want to talk about a little bit in this golf course, which I'll let you finish here. Um, but like the scoring is going to be really like around par. And that's Kisner's bread and butter. There's not going to be this birdie fest of guys getting to like 19 under par. So that really limits the pool. I think it helps the pool, in my opinion, that the best players on the PGA tour tend to rise. Like there's not going to be an unknown that wins. Because, like, scrambling and getting up and down, saving par, is much harder than someone getting hot and making a bunch of birdies.
1: Yeah, and, like, I I bring up all those names because I feel like the DraftKings algorithm sometimes is slow to really develop. Catch up. Yeah, Yeah. catch up. And and that's one of the big things is, like, golf, they just get hung up on, like, low-priced people, like, again and again and again. And that's why, you know, like— uh, you talked about Paul Casey, Paul Casey seems to be one of those guys that falls in that same thing where they don't always, uh, I guess they sometimes put him 9,500, but like, you know, he's usually middle eight K's, but yeah, I know I've kind of jumped around all over the place. So,
0: yeah. So what I'll do really quick is I'll talk about the golf course. So some, some of the topics I wanted to bring up on this show. And again, we'll try to keep it short. We've been, uh, staying around 25, 30 minutes. Um, but like for this, for this Royal St. George's, which is where the British Open is being played this year, again it's a rotation. So every year is a different golf course. I think there's seven or eight on the rotation. Some get played more often than others, like St. Andrews or Carnoustie. Uh, Royal St. George's is a little bit less frequent. So I think it was 2003 and then 2011. So what, uh, eight years? It looks like eight, eight to ten year gaps. Um, but it was a, a one under par sorry it was a 500 par winning score in 2011 it was a 100 par winning score in 2003 so just taking that into consideration the wind is going to be somewhat standard in july it's going to be you know 15 to 25 miles per hour so nothing absurd but the scoring is going to be low because of that so you're looking at 500 par to even par um maybe six seven under par at the most that that really narrows your pull down. So to me, when I see the scoring being so low, just like a U.S. Open, you don't see scrubs coming out of nowhere to win. Yeah, Ben Curtis won in 2003. Um, he beat Vijay Singh, Tiger Woods, like a lot of good players. But generally speaking, you're going to see a lot of the same names rise to the top. So I think that's why Rom is such a big favor this week at seven to one versus 14 to one Spieth, is because the scoring is going to be so low. Rahm excels, man. And if you're going to be around even par on Sunday or into Sunday, you're going to have a chance to win. So keep that in mind. You know, one under par, five under par winning score. You don't need a guy that go crazy low. And Fitzpatrick fits that mold. Kisner fits that mold. Hoffman kind of doesn't, if I want to be completely honest. But I'm still going to play him. He's cheap enough. But the guys, the, the super cheap guys come right into play. Daniel Berger, Jason Kokrak, which I know you like. Um, Harris English has been playing great. He's not going to be crazy popular. Sam Burns at sixty three hundred. Like all the same values are totally totally fine this week. Yeah, the best um, PGA Tour players are going to do well. It's just is, a fact.
1: Is Patrick Reed in there too? I mean, uh, he's probably a little bit more variance.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. He he's, so the, the issue the issue with Patrick Reed is he's just more expensive. So he's eighty eight hundred, and he's in a range around um. Paul Casey, Patrick Cantley, Terrell Hatton, all those guys are going to get so much more ownership, and Patrick Reed is going to just be completely forgotten. So, someone else asked me that earlier today. Patrick Reed should be a pretty good pivot off of these guys. So, like what I see right now, he's over fifteen percent owned, but I I think most people are going to venture to one of these guys, and I think it's actually going to be Hatton. Hatton's going to be over twenty yeah. percent owned at nine k. And
1: listen, Ab. <laughs> Again, basic knowledge of the sport. Guy's a head case. You don't want to get behind a guy <laughs> that, uh, that can say every single four letter word. Um, and, you know, I don't know. He, he feels like.
0: That's a good observation.
1: Don't, yeah, I don't want to really go out there and back a guy like that. At least I don't want
0: to. Um, no, you want a steady guy like a, a Victor Hovlin, Morikawa, Cantley. Reed's kind of just I don't know what you would consider Reed, to be honest, but he he does well in these majors, so it's you have to take that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that uh, you know, uh, the, do you want to go to top range? What do you want to like just kind of yeah. bounce around values?
0: We can bounce around because honestly, again, like the top range, I totally I'm wide open with. If I wanted to say like some of my favorite plays overall that I'm going to be playing is Abraham Answer at seventy six hundred. Daniel Berger, seventy four hundred, no surprise. Daniel Berger, I think, is way too cheap. Um Harris English, I think, is totally fine. Guido Migliazzi, do you have any Guido takes? You know who Guido is? Um. Uh, no, do
1: no, I wait, wait, wait? Didn't the Italians just win the Euros? There's a great nar- narrative for you. <laughs> <laughs> All about narratives, Drew. Um, do I know he finished
0: about- fourth in the US Open, so
1: yeah, I knew that.
0: And and the and the Italians just won the World Cup or whatever you're talking about. So that's also good. But uh, I think Guido is really good. Um, Keegan Bradley, I've heard some chatter about. Charlie Hoffman, I think these are some of the names you, you've you looked at. Uh, Lucas Glover won last week. He's super cheap. He's 6,600. And Lucas Glover, so Lucas Glover is actually interesting. I I can't really stomach him in any single entry or three max, but if you're going beyond that, Lucas Glover was in the top five for every round in 2011 round one. He was T 3 Second round. He was tied for first third round. He was T five and then he blew up in the final round. And this is the same golf course. He's just coming off a win. I think Lucas Glover is a really sneaky play at 6,600 off of a win. I don't think people are going to actually go to him. He's 3% projected ownership. Lucas Glover might be my favorite play at 6,600, like, in the entire event. If he can finish in the top 10, that could win you a Millie Maker.
1: And here's the thing. Like, Lucas Glover is actually kind of fits that mold that I was kind of talking about earlier.
0: with. I mean, he's the already out- won a U.S. Open. Like, the scrambling aspect you're talking about is exactly spot on.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, he hits it pretty long um, from my knowledge,
0: right? He hits it pretty Longer long. Longer than you, but not real long. Okay, so. <laughs> no, I mean. That's probably true. <laughs>
1: and but the the algorithm always has them pretty damn cheap it's not like he is ever going to be super high so like no yeah it's i i like i like the knowing that i can play guys like his mold again and again and again because you know what you're going to get out of a guy like that so 6600 i have him in like you know my own type of uh projections is probably a top 15 type play so definitely somebody in there um it, it, am I crazy? Is it Sam Burns? Does that seem to be kind of like the the <laughs> guy that keeps popping up? Like uh, so, why he's popping? I don't know. Sixty three hundred. I know he's
0: not. Yeah. So so Sam Burns, he he won the uh, Valspar like a month month and a half ago in Tampa. Um, he had one withdrawal at like the PGA Championship with a back injury, and then he finished like top twenty the next week. Um, so he's a very good player, young guy. He's sixty three hundred. He's priced with guys that haven't played in like eight months. So he's just mispriced. Is is essentially what we're getting at. He's just a he's just poorly priced. He should be seventy three hundred. Maybe not at a minimum. He should be sixty nine hundred at a minimum. But he's he's mispriced either way you cut it. So that's that's why he'll be a big value. But he won't be popular because it's it's what's weird though with golf and I think people get this with value plays and they don't get it so much with like expensive guys is the the volatility like Sam Burns isn't going to always exceed his price tag 6.3 like there's going to be probably more than 50 percent of the time in this event he's going to miss the cut and 6.3 doesn't do shit for you but when you say the same thing for like a DJ at 10k people say well I you know I want to take the chance that DJ is going to win yeah well you still got to play the volatility. Sam Burns is going to be under ten percent owned. He is by far the best value in the entire field if you're comparing apples to the price. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it, I don't it have makes an issue sense. With that. It makes sense, and you know, I, I the problem is you start picking off these values that we just talked about: the burger, the burns. Um,, well, that's me, where people are gonna start their lineups, and that's that just feels like you you can't do that in a big GPP cash games all day, right?
0: Let me do this for you. Let me do this for you. I'm gonna grab the lowest percent owned guys and my highest rank guys. And I'm gonna just spit out a couple names for you and see what you think. Like one of the guys that i that I've been looking at a lot is Sergio Garcia at seventy six hundred. Um, Sergio, you like Sergio?
1: I do. I like Sergio. He kind of fits that same mold as um, what's his name? <laughs> the hothead. I mean, I can't. Get, I don't watch a ton of golf, but I just like the Saudi thing where he had the blow up when, you know, things were already rough <laughs> over there. And, and like he just has his little fit. I think Sergio is an interesting play because like he makes a shit ton of birdies. Like, that's yeah, the type of mold you want. But I imagine when things go south, it's not composure very well. So like,
0: no, it's not. That's, no, that's I mean that's not more why of a we're first, playing him.
1: Yeah, and it, it it just seems like he's like a a one round type guy like I don't know I'd like to back him for a round and
0: see All right, well, he let gets. me let me let me just try to sell you on Sergio. So just like if anyone listening to the podcast is going to be interested in Sergio, let me just sell you on some Sergio takes for real quick because I think he's at least viable in Showdown and I I didn't mm-hmm. look at what DraftKings offered for round 1 Showdown. It is 20k to first 10 dollars entry so not bad and obviously round four is going to be ridiculous this would probably be like 20 dollars 100k to first but sergio in 2011 he finished fifth um i see sorry he finished ninth um he shot 70 70 74 68 so he finished at the same golf course he finished in the top 10 in 2011 his this year so far, he has a 63, a 65, a 68, a 65, a 67, a 66, a 67, a 70, and a 70 to open his first round in any of these tournaments on the PGA tour. So I think Sergio could get off to like a pretty decent start, you know, shoot three, four, five under par and be in contention all weekend. So that would be my biggest reason why to play Sergio. Ball striking is gonna be there. And we know like with a scoring if the winning score is going to be 500 par or worse, you know, ball strike is going to be key. Putting is not going to be as relevant. I, I like Sergio quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I can get behind that. I almost feel like the same way you do. He seems like kind of like a showdown specialist for, you know, like. Well,
0: I, I've been burned enough where like like at the Players' Championship, I think he was winning into Sunday and he shot 77 or something like that. Um, so like all the shares that you thought were going to win you know, $10,000 or something, they blow up in your face. So you might as well just play showdown Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and just take the money when you can. Yeah. no, the sweat, I, I The four-day sweat for golf, man, is, is different than MMA. You you have to...
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I would say, you know, it, it's weird to see Ricky Fowler as an average type of golf fan be 7,300 in a major. Like, I never saw that happening. The fall from grace, like, that's like... Some of the best MMA yeah. type guys in the world just being, you know, your ten K type fighter and then boom, now they're down to seventy three hundred. I, I don't know where where he falls. Um, you know, he falls in a weird range too where there's obvious values, people don't wanna go there. I mean, he, he will he ever get good again? I mean, is he just done? What what's the story no. with him? With Valor? Yeah. Yeah,
0: i get back to it. He's he went through like a swing change and I guess it didn't really work out that well, but he's he's playing yeah. a lot better the last couple weeks. So he, he's he's definitely on my in my player pool this week. Yeah, he, he's totally fine, man, because like he, as good as he was, I think he was trying to do he was trying to take the old Tiger Woods route and say, you know, I'm, I'm a good I'm obviously a good player. I have some inconsistencies I want to work on, so I need to revamp x y and z and when he started to revamp x y and z it it made him worse for a short period of time and he's apparently gone back to his old ways so take that with what it's worth but he has been playing better the last couple weeks yeah he almost qualified for the us open he missed a playoff in the he missed a playoff by one shot in the sectional qualifying so i i i would play fowler every single time he tees it up until next year because he's going to keep yeah, being low-priced low, low priced and underowned until he like finishes top five or something.
1: It's like the stock market. I like to buy low, and that's how we have to look at it. It looks like a spot where you can buy, definitely buy low on him, like you said, continually week after week for a
0: while there. Have you um, seen his wife? No. Google it. But she's uh, pregnant, so that's a motive. Mm, or narrative. Thing. You called it a yes. narrative. There you go. Yeah, It is.
1: What's 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 a name like uh, Corey Connors? You got to talk to me about him because like he's a name in the industry that it seems like every single major, this guy's head just pops up, pops up, and um, you know, I I don't really follow as as much as you do the way they play golf. Is he a scrambler? Can he scramble? Does he need to stay keep it together? What's what's a guy like him? So he's
0: more you? of a, he's just he's um he's a hundred percent ball striking. His scrambling is not good, so. Top. He's cheap enough. I think he's worth a shot in in tournaments this week. Like if you're playing the $10 GPP or the $100 millimaker, maker, um, I think I think Corey Connors is totally fine. I struggle. His putting is is bad. His around the green game is bad, and in a major like this, that's probably gonna do him in. But his ball striking is good enough, man. If he if he plays well tee to green, he can at least hang around. And he's cheap enough that like a top 10 again, a top 10 can can do. Everything you need, because like, honestly, a Millie maker, you you need the winner, but you need five other guys inside the top 10. There's Mm -hmm. enough spots inside the top 10. It's not crazy. Um, Even was it the Millie maker? I don't know if you followed this. I think the U.S. Open Millie maker, the guy, it might have been the PGA Millie maker. um, The guy didn't have the winner. He just had six guys inside like the top eight. but He didn't have the winner. How crazy is that?
1: It's, it's unbelievable. Like, but that shows you how much, um, Eagles matter, the birdie scoring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Scoring is what
1: really matters because positional points at some point are negated. If, uh, you know, there's just pure school, uh, scoring out there. And I, obviously that's going to be dependent on the course too.
0: Exactly. So this week will be a little bit lower scoring, like, uh, closer to par. So it won't be as drastic of like guys shooting sixty three hundred. So yeah, to your point, I mean, someone could finish T twentieth and finish higher scoring per DraftKings than like a T six guy. It's crazy. It just won't. It won't happen this week, but that could happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. So,
0: um, I think the rest of the guys that I want to talk about, though, like from an ownership perspective, the really cheap guys. So if I sort by ownership, um, guys that really stand out as strong values. Let's see. Sebastian Munoz had a pretty good run last week. He's 6,500. Emiliano Grillo. So Grillo is interesting at 6,700. Um, he's one of the top guys. He's 1% owned. He's projected for 1% owned. Well, let me look up his.
1: Now, from my knowledge, if I'm not mistaken, he's kind of that mold that you were talking about with um, scrambling. I know that he he's – is he okay at scrambling or?
0: He's he's more ball striking, but – Ball striking. Yeah yeah so yeah griot's Grios had a string of missed cuts but man in like the in the open he's got let's see one two he's got a top 15 here yeah he's very hit or miss so griot probably not in play at 6700 so i'm glad we were able to talk that one through yeah. i mean he, he's well, generally speaking like Like, the other PGA Tour event, which is not relevant to this podcast, but, like, so this is a major this week for the British Open, but the PGA Tour hosts another event for, like, the regular guys. Um, I think it's in Colorado for the Barbasol, or this one might actually be in Alabama, Um, and it's for all the regular guys. Grillo would be perfect for that. Like, shoot 20 (laughs) under par, all ball striking, but, like, scrambling around, like, it's scrambling, and that's kind of how Shane Lowry won here a couple years ago. It's all about that. So I should probably add a little bit more around the green, to be honest, into my model for this week. I've primarily used – I used a little bit of putting, but I probably didn't use enough around the green. So that's something I'll look into rerunning going into tomorrow for Wednesday before I run my final player pool. Because I think to your point, man, actually, like with the scoring being closer to par, around the green probably is more relevant than – I mean, ball striking is always relevant, always relevant, but I think around the green actually is probably going to be the the nice tiebreaker that we need to uh, to trim our player pool, right?
1: Yeah, and, and you call the word tiebreaker. I think this is the biggest, most difficult sport to really have a tiebreaker because your bias is going to be in any other sport, but for golf, it's I feel like name value sometimes can just be a bias. <laughs> can just be the bias in itself where you just have a bad taste in your mouth from, you know, somebody that's burnt you or somebody that's made you money. It's like this sport out of all of it when you're building your lineups, especially by hand, like you said, that's, it's really tricky from that standpoint. <laughs> all
0: right. You laugh and it's true. I, no, no, no. I, I mean, I agree because what I'm laughing about, though, is what I want to do next. Um, oh, no. Do you have, you have five minutes left on this podcast for me? Whatever you need. All right. So the last bit of this podcast, we're gonna build a lineup. Oh Christ. Yay. <laughs> because I I mean, honestly, we have Griot, to just talking through some of these guys actually helps out a lot. Like Corey Connors, Grio are perfectly like are perfect fits for normal PGA DFS. The British Open, it seems like is less of a fit, which I, I like just being able to talk through that. So let's 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 build something, right? Um I don't know to if to you kind want to back start up want
1: to back up that Grio play too, it looks like Charlie Hoffman at the same price is going to be probably a bit more popular, if not, you know, more owned. More probably a better money line as well. I mean, I would imagine. So I kind of like that play, you know. Z- zigging off the chart. Oh man, if,
0: if I mean if you bring betting into it, that's in a whole can of worms, because now people can be like, Yeah, I'm gonna fade Rio to play Glover, but I'm going to bet against Glover and all my matchups, and it's going to hedge. Like, that's just a headache that I don't want anymore. I have enough headaches every day of my life. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's build. um I'll let you lead off. Do you want to, if you're building for PGA DFS single entry, or it's one lineup in the Millimaker, let's say one lineup in the Millimaker,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you going to build with a value play? Or a guy with high upside, lower owned, a chalk guy? Where where do you want to go first?
1: So here's what the story is. The general public's going to go with a cheap, cheap guy under 7K. So I'm going to kind of identify that 75 to, say, E500 and try to pick one of these players that we were talking about. I think you can already tell. Um, I think it might be 7,600. It might have to be Sergio that we talked about. Um, <laughs> I like just, it. <laughs> it's a decent starting
0: point. Um, See, I sold you. I sold you on Sergio. Uh,
1: I mean, but it's it's, fits, it's right in that range. Fits. I like. He fits. He avoids Mickelson chalk below. He avoids. I. I mean, I assume Mickelson's going to be chalk, right? I mean, name value and a millimaker, maker, uh, of course.
0: I mean, he did, Yeah, I mean. I don't know if he'll be, I don't know if anyone down here would be too chalky, but he'll probably be more popular to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree. Yeah.
1: I wish there was somebody at 76 as well. I could click, but we'll we'll keep trucking. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is there in eight K we really didn't talk about eight K. So, I mean, I think that is an interesting range in itself um, where it's kind of stacked with players that present upside, but,
0: I, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. Um, and you suggest- I, I honestly, man, I would start with. So I so what I would say though is I would disagree that most people start under seven k. I think most people actually start with um someone over nine k. I don't know if it's over ten k, but I think someone starts with a with a star to to begin their lineup. No.
1: See, I no. So they, they I just don't think people sure. Other I don't people think people will.
0: will start with a 6k unless they need it I think people want to get their first guy in that they love and then if they need it they'll go down the 6k range I don't Absolutely. think they'll start with a 6k
1: yeah I mean it just might be where they end up landing later on but they could
0: I, I just don't think it's their first pick right no, like, I don't think no, it's no, their no. first click exactly, but, let's, but let's, that's do, why. let's do Sergio. let's do Sergio yeah.
1: Sergio's fine to start
0: um, all right. Sergio I'm in. Sergio All Spain, seven. All,
1: Spain all Spain
0: lineup. No. <laughs> there's no shot. No. I honestly don't know if there's six guys in from Spain. Um okay. So Sergio's in. Um from here, I would probably want to move up into like the mid-range, so, like you talked about the AKs, a lot of guys in the AKs that I liked. Um you mentioned Hovland or uh, you mentioned Hatton kind of having the hot head. So I would yeah. go Hovland at 9.1. I really like Morikawa at 9.2 as well, but Hovland for some reason I, I played a lot of Hovland at the US Open he didn't cut him through. I think Hovland's just poised for a really good finishing and he's so good ball striking. He's good or he's getting better around the green, but uh I think he's just such a good grinder. He's won the USAM at Pebble Beach, which is going to be similar some scoring aspect. So Hovland would be my guy.
1: Yeah, coming off a win too on uh, the Scottie
0: Open. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. So it looks like that could, you know, maybe people aren't going to I, definitely name value. I don't think they're going to go to him right away from an average. There's just point. so
0: many guys around there though that that's probably what that that probably helps our case to be honest. Yeah, like I would coming definitely. off a win would say like yeah people are going to go to him, but there's so many good names around there with. Cantley coming off a win as well at the memorial like three weeks ago. There's plenty of guys. There's plenty of guys around him. So,
1: yeah, I, I like that play as well because, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. us. that
0: leaves us, us 8,300. So I'll let you go there. You want to go down to maybe like push your floor up a little bit, or do you want to just hang out in the mid, mid range and see what we can work with? That's
1: what I was thinking mid range, but like then we're getting into web territory, and I'm like, uh, we didn't even talk about Finau. Um, what
0: yeah, Finau's see- been so yeah. bad, man.
1: It's crazy. Talk about the 180. It's like he was a good DraftKings play forever, and then poof. It's like not a lot there now.
0: Well, especially in majors because like majors has been his bread and butter. He's just, he's just not been playing good, so it could turn around at any point. Um, I think ownership reflects that a little bit. If I look at it, well, he's still kind of high for where he's been. He's at a lot ten and a half percent. So um yeah, that one's tough. Same with Webb a little bit. So there's plenty of guys like I mentioned Adam Scott I like quite a bit. I think Adam Scott is he's been so consistent. And like if you look at I don't want to say you look at game logs, but at a certain point golf is about just scoring. And Adam Scott does a very good job of just, you know, being around the top twenties. It just takes one extra good round to finish in the top ten and that and that's all you need. So adam scott it, i like quite a bit
1: it's not like you need an outlier performance you know no he's a, he's a known commodity like you said every time i play him he, he bangs in an eagle, the tons of burgees i and he, again he probably has played at this course before right i mean he's been in the
0: yeah 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 i don't know what he finished forever, in 2011 so, um yeah,
1: yeah i like i, I like this so he can stay around this mid-range for a couple and
0: yeah. Um, All right. So I'll add in, um, Adam Scott, he's 8,100. So that actually pushes our floor up to 8,400 average left. So like you can go up from there to like a Xander DJ at 10 K you can go down. If there's like some value that you really like, like we kind of talked about, um, Lucas Glover, Coke crack, stuff like that.
1: It's hard for me to not play Xander this week, okay. And and I mean, I think everybody else is on the same bandwagon. I, that's okay. There's good chalk and bad chalk, like you said, just like anything else. But,
0: yeah. You're um, gonna eat some chalk in, in good lineups. I mean, there's just that's just no way around it.
1: Yeah, I think that he has to be our play to to go up there. Um, okay. That that seems like something I would do.
0: All right. So I'll I'll plug in Xander. So that leaves us seventy six hundred on average. We are at around forty eight percent ownership right there. So rule of thumb generally is 90% cumulative ownership. So we're, you got two spots left to get 20% ownership per player. So I think we'll be, we'll be clear on staying under 90% ownership. Um, So anyone, anyone down in the low nine or low sevens, really there's no one going to be too chalky. That's going to fit it. I would almost in this situation at 7,600, unless there's two guys right around that number that you like, I would kind of try to get another stud in there around nine and, and then see what values we can fit from there. Normally I would want to fit the stud in last, but I think in this situation I would rather get one guy that we really like in the nine K's or 10 K's and then go from there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even to that point, it kind of, if we penciled in the guy we talked about Griot or somebody in that 67, that's probably going to be popular. Um, you know, like a I Hoffman think, or something. It doesn't. Well, it leaves you in. It leaves you in an odd range where, like you said, you kind of want to get up a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll have to be in the AK K range, but it would. It's it's tough. Like probably low eights, I guess. Let's see. I mean, Paul Casey Van has been as consistent as they come i probably I'd play say. Paul Casey, man.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing about him is that, like, again, a, a guy, he's like a grinder, right? He goes out there, you know what you're going to get out of him. Again, another guy, I don't know the course history off the top of my head, but probably has played the course before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely the mold that I like to see. Um, and like you say, it doesn't take too much. If we know what they're going to come in every single week, it just takes that little teeny bit percentage improvement to get there and get that win. Then you're getting those win points. The equity goes so much higher. So like, yeah, yeah, I like that. And 8,600, it's not like you're, you're blowing the bank on it either. So yeah. Well, that's the thing I I
0: was, I was wanting to play who I really wanted to play. And the only pivot I would make most likely would be like Morikawa. So I don't know if it'd be Xander down to Morikawa or it'd be Hovland to Morikawa. Um, But we'll we'll go with what we have. So, so far, we have Garcia, Hovland, Scott, Shoffley, and Casey. The last guy that fits perfectly at 6,600 with that is Lucas Glover. Oh, He's coming off a win last week. He finished. He was in the top five every single round in 2011 until the final round, and he he spit the bit. I think Lucas Glover has some... uh, some good feels at this golf course, and I, I think he's going to be under I mean, he's going to be sub-5% after a win on a golf course he likes. Obviously, he's not going to be a favorite by any means. He's not a favorite to win this tournament, but I think he has what it takes to finish four, three, four, five under par, and yeah. and possibly finish in the top three.
1: So we talk about narratives and everything, and even subconsciously, what did we do with this lineup, Drew? We took winners. We took guys coming <laughs> – we did. We took two guys coming off of wins in Hovland and, and Glover. Like, yeah, that shows you what the pricing is, right? I mean, on these types of majors. Um, And what did we do? We kind of backfilled it with guys. We know what they can do over, you know, their careers. Like, guys yeah. that are going to be able to get, you know, top 40 for sure in this type of thing, but –
0: you know, I just like for it, them man. Get
1: it, just for them to get a top 10 is, like, very good. It's
0: reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. It's not like you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel thinking, you know, on some blue moon somewhere far, far away, he could possibly finish, you know, in the top 10. No, like, any of these guys could finish in the top 10, and I wouldn't shake my head at it.
1: Yeah, and, I mean... The win is obviously good too if they do. I mean, I like it. So yeah, that 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 sounds like well, we got cool. we
0: got expensive oh, okay. guys that can get the win. We got values that can finish in the top ten. So I think we got the bases covered. All right, I'm entering this in there. If I win this, you'll get a uh, you'll get a thousand bucks out of the million.
1: Sounds good to me. Hey, I'm not- <laughs> what's that ROI for the podcast? About an hour. Oh, I'll take that thousand dollars for a podcast. Yeah, it's a
0: thousand dollars an hour for the podcast as well. So you get two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome.
1: awesome. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to it. I mean, it looks like some type of slate that, um, you know, like you can go that type of lineup we just kind of threw together. You can go mid range. And again, I, I just feel like people want to jam in the general public, right? When I say I've got to clarify, the general public wants to take a ROM, a Rory, a DJ, and then they're just stuck. They just I don't want to say they click buttons. They educationally see names around, you know, 6,600, around Glover, and they're like—
0: Or they see an arbitrary projection that really—like, golf projections aren't good. Like, like they're reasonable enough to use in an optimizer, but projections are based off of, like, the percentage of them playing four rounds. We know that half of them are only going to play two rounds. Like, it's not so cut and dry as MMA or NBA—obviously not NBA— so yeah, I think I think guys would get caught into playing ROM and then getting stuck saying like, oh well, who just projects the best? Well, that's probably not what you want to play.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what the big pros are doing—they're using aggregated projections. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're aggregating, I, I, the, there's gonna be a little bit of subjectivity in this sport too. Like your eyes yeah. tell. I mean, if guys just. Uh, Hatton and Kirk Garcia. Like, you look at the hotheads. Like, th- those types of things are, are legit. And plus, hey, b- baby swag, like you said, too. I- important. But, yeah. yeah it is. Um, I look forward to us uh, shipping the Millie at the end of it.
0: If we do, it'd be legendary. So, I hope we do. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast for Fantasy Golf Bag as always. And uh, good luck this week <laughs> for the Millie Makers that you enter, and uh, obviously good luck for the rest of the Mill- the uh, MMA slates that you have this week. And uh, we'll talk to you later this year for NFL.
1: You got it, through Whatever you need. And uh, good luck to all the baggers out there.
0: <laughs> Love it. Good luck, guys. See ya.